Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On our ninth episode, we're going to talk about a major cog and a good cog in the state's healthcare safety net, which are those healthcare providers that organize and deliver a significant level of healthcare and other needed services, and that's an important part, other needed services, to uninsured Medicaid and other vulnerable patients. The makeup of the safety net is broad, but today we're going to focus on federally qualified health centers, or FQHCs. Now, our guest today is going to give you a much better explanation of what FQHCs are than I can. But before that, let me give you a little context about the level of health care coverage among Arkansans. So Arkansas's population is made up of about 3 million people, and currently about a third Yes, a third of those get health care coverage through the Medicaid program, which is the state's program in partnership with the federal government, of course. And that program provides coverage to disabled and low-income populations and long-term care services and supports for the elderly. Now, another 500,000 Arkansans who are generally 65 and older get their health care coverage through Medicare, which is a federal program. And about 1.3 million Arkansans have private insurance, either through their employer or purchased on their own. And about 40,000 have coverage through the military. Now, the remaining 250,000 or so still remain uninsured. Now, Arkansas has stepped up and done a good job of reducing the number of uninsured adults in Arkansas from about 25% in 2013 to roughly 10% of the total population. Now, what we know, though, is that having an insurance card does not mean that a person has meaningful access to care. There may nonetheless be affordability issues like trouble paying deductibles or co-pays or other barriers such as transportation, long distances to get to the nearest doctor, or even if you can get to the doctor, long wait times, and one that gets often overlooked, cultural or language challenges. Now, our safety net, including FQHCs, are set up to meet those gaps wherever they may exist. So, to talk with us today about that, we have LaShannon Spencer, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Community Health Centers of Arkansas, where she's been for about five years now. She got her bachelor's degree in mass communications from Stevens College in Missouri, and her master's in public administration from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and another master's in Health Services Administration from the University of St. Francis in Illinois. She's done some healthcare consulting and I believe was out on the West Coast before coming to the natural state, which is her home. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Good to see you, LaShannon, and welcome to the show. Craig, thank you so much for actually having me. It's good to be here. I feel like I should actually be interviewing you (laughs) instead of you interviewing me, uh, because you're like that expert, and I've enjoyed uh, following Arkansas Center for Health Improvements and what the stats and just the information that you have made very much available to all Arkansans. And so 
there are a few websites that I actually look at every day. Yeah. And yeah. your organization's website is just one of those. And so I love seeing the great work. And I also love reading the different editorials that you have in the newspaper. Yeah. So I feel like I should be interviewing you well, today uh, instead of you interviewing me. Well, we're going to get here a, a good, you know, uh, information about FQHCs today. Okay. And uh, and it's great because your mass communications background, we're we're doing something new with a with a podcast and getting our information out. So, um, you know, while we may have great information on our website and in other places, I think this is a new kind of uh, foray for us in the in the uh, a space where we haven't been. So. But it's going over it's, very well. And yeah. so when you start thinking about mass media, uh, mass communication, we have to be more innovative yeah. in order to reach a broader audience. You know, you have wonks like ourselves that are constantly <laughs> reading and potentially still love to read or hold a newspaper yes. in our hand. Yes. And so I'm not that let me read it on the tablet or just do the ebooks. I need to physically touch it in yeah. my hand to be able to go back and forth. So I'm still very old traditional. And so I'm getting into this new space. So uh, it's interesting. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. (laughs) So before we get to the more serious stuff, though, I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not at work. So what keeps me busy uh, when I'm not at work? You know, to be brutally honest, COVID-19 has made me rethink about life. Yeah. Um, Made me understand the significance of actually having a balance. I work all the time, yeah. um, even on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I would often, since coming back home, um, just working in order to make people understand and further the mission of community health centers um, across the state. So what keeps me busy is um, my daughter and my niece. I They both attend Episcopal Collegiate. Mm-hmm. Um, but my daughter, she's very involved. Um, she misses the West Coast so much. Um, How old is she? She is 10 okay. going on 50. Um, <laughs> at times I tell her she's she's my mom. Um, and then she will say, you're the oldest mom uh, in the fifth grade. So, I, that, you know, that's just kind of uh, laughter. Um, but she's just very involved, um, whether it was with the rep, yeah. um, taking classes, music. She's a liberal arts kid, yeah. um, but I want her to be more math and science. Yeah. And so, which is really funny and then my niece that is actually in a um, seventh grade um, at Episcopal with their schedules I'm always, always doing running always running around it's good she's getting a little balance of math oh, and science and creative arts too but she's the artsy kid um you know the painting I was too and look at you know I and but you've done very well and you continue to do very well but my mind operates in math and science yeah. and so the math and science is actually transferable skills she's sure. a great writer and this all started just because of our friends that are actually in our entertainment industry um and so she was able to visit many studios yeah. when we lived in L and so that's just Good for her. a natural fit for her yeah. um and it's funny cuz even at Episcopal they actually have a, a television show and she's <laughs> uh the director of the show for this um 9 weeks but it's just funny to see her writing and making contact and mm-hmm. making sure people are punctual and completing their assignments so she's a taskmaster she's a little ceo she is a little ceo <laughs> But one thing just um, during COVID, I love wines. And so most people think of California wines, but I'm really enjoying Oregon wines and certain regions in Oregon because of the grapes and because of the climate, the temperature. Interesting. So Hmm. wines is um, That I did not know about you. Yeah. 
Good. that I am a big wine uh, connoisseur. And I have to have the right glass. Oh, you you go that far. I do okay. go that far. And I have to have my wine to let it sit and breathe mm. just a little bit. So, yes. So if I'm ever around you and I, we want to have a glass of wine, I'm going to... I need to watch out. Absolutely. And I need to look <laughs> at that wine. And I'm going to follow your advice. And you're going to. And it's a matter of what you're eating. Um, if you're snacking, it's a certain kind of wine. Um, if you're eating cheese or if you're seafood, vegetables. Sure. Ab- absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to follow it. All right. Okay. So I ask this of all of our wonky guests. What would you say is your theme song? Wow. What is my <laughs> theme song? I have different songs. Um, you know. I listen to uh, what's in my kids' favorite um, playlist because uh-huh. we have to have that type of get excitement music yeah. as we're headed into school every day <laughs> because I think just at that excitement and reinforcement is so important for kids. Mm-hmm. But when I think about, I love like different genres of music, but I also listen to the beats of the music because I know sure. people that actually mix the beats for the singers. Uh-huh. And so I need to see, okay, that beat didn't go. But um, right now, I think of like Sam Cooke. A yeah. change is going to come. It's been a long, a long time coming. But I know a change going to come. Oh, yeah. Um, and that really, when I'm having a glass of wine, because just change and how we need to see yeah. that positive change um, in our world today. Um, and then, you know, as I'm getting motivated, I think about um, Mary J. Blige's yeah. song, Work That. Don't worry about who say you will work. Work what you and so that's just like my get hype music, like work that um, and working it, um, not just to benefit me, but also to benefit those that are voiceless, mm-hmm. um, those that are downtrodden, those that don't realize that they have hope. Yeah. And so just working it to benefit um, those that really need that true advocate. But then with uh, the core of me is that spiritual connection. And it's just like your blessing and get your blessing. And how are you being a blessing to people mm-hmm. each and every day with not only just yourself and just your family, what you do, what impact are you having today to better tomorrow? That's so great. Just yeah. a, a variety. Some good ones there. Sam Cooke. Uh, oh, it's nothing like a rainy day listening to <laughs> Sam Cooke. Um, a change is going to come. It just, drinking it you, some wine. Drinking some wine. Yeah. Just really make you yeah. think about the change that's needed yeah. in, in today's All world. All right. So give us the basics of what an FQHC is. What is the history on how they were established in the U.S., and why are they called community health centers? Sure. Federally qualified health centers, also called FQHCs, are nonprofit um, healthcare organizations certified by the federal government to bring care to those who need it the most, even those without the ability to pay. We fill in an important gap, providing services in hand-to-reach, er- hard-to-reach areas, like your medically underserved communities, mm-hmm. Um And it's not about making money for FQHCs. FQHCs are more commonly referred to as community health centers, community health centers, because they're more than just that. We are community uh, focused, community based. We have community boards made up of community leaders and patients from the community. 
we're responsible um, to the needs of the community, not just the bottom line. So it's not just about financials, but it's really a matter of, of care. We're always seeking to improve health outcomes among the people that we actually serve. We want to improve the health literacy so our patients can understand how best to take the necessary steps to make um, their care better for them. So it's more so about patient empowerment and not just what that provider is saying, but making sure that patients are responsible Mm -hmm. um, for their health improvement as well. We're advocates for our patients. We try to get them the financial help and the aid from the resources. We actually care about folks. Um, Folks mean so much to us. And that is truly the mission of FQHCs. So it's, you know, it's no great surprise when you think about the Great Society Plan. And this is um, a history buff, too. Um, (laughs) President Johnson in the Uh 1960s. And most people don't realize the history of FQHCs. But the first community health center in Arkansas was Lee County Cooperative Clinic over in Mariana. And it was such a lightning rod um, back then. Um, And if you don't know about the history, I actually um, tell everyone, read Judge Ollie Neal's book. Oh, yeah. um, That actually came out last year. Yeah. It's it's fantastic stuff. It'll just, um, like eating a Lay's potato chip, you just can't um, read (laughs) one page. It's like you're going to constantly eat it. Um, But, you know, we take it for granted now based on the information that he actually put in that book. Folks um, needed health care then. Um, and then it was also such racial um, disturbance within that community. Yeah. So Judge Ollie Neal um, was such a chameleon to be able to pull people together in that community and surrounding communities to really see the good, yeah. the benefit. Um, so we're we're all grateful for Judge Ollie Neal and for those who fought to have good care um, in our impoverished neighborhoods. And so um, Bumpers and his wife um, mm-hmm. partnered with those and, and Judge Ollie Neal um, to bring health care to the Delta community. Great. So so particularly in in Arkansas, we're you know, we've really closed the gap on health care coverage, as I mentioned before. Uh, but as we continue to close that gap, what what do you think will be the, the role of FQHCs, and do you see them at risk at all, given that we've kind of closed the gap on coverage? You know, I believe, um, it is my belief, not only just from the literature and the great stats that your organization constantly um, puts out, there's always going to be competition, and competition is good, but we serve the most uninsured population within our state. 80, 38% of our patients receive care through Medicaid, 28% from some form of private insurance, and 15% from Medicare. Only about 19% of our patients have no insurance at all. And so when you really start looking at that, that's huge. Um, Paying patients are extremely valuable to us. We exist on grants from the federal government, the Health um, Health Resources Services Administration, to serve the uninsured and underinsured, and they cost. We're not a free clinic. You know, we actually have board-certified physicians that are actually employed. Yeah, the standard of care is not any different. No, absolutely. Actually, let me brag just a little bit. (laughs) The standard of care sometimes is actually better than a solo practitioner just because of all the mandates that a community health center 
must adhere to from right. a governance standpoint. Yeah, with those funds come those those ties. Abs- abs- with- absolutely, and there's always that um, checks and balances yeah. um, for health centers. Um, it's just we provide high quality care for all sectors, yeah. and so competition is good. But I will actually put our quality next to some of those solo providers. And thanks to Arkansas Center for Health um, Improvement, you're always providing me those annual stats to sh- that allows me to see where's the area of improvement. Mm-hmm. And just from a not only just a state benchmark, but also a national benchmark. So competition is good, but we still serve uninsured and yeah. underinsured compared to other providers. So. I, I teach this a little bit in my class. Unlike rural health centers, FQHCs can locate in urban areas. That's right. Correct. So some of the Arkansas FQHCs are doing some creative service delivery, I, th- I think, in school-based settings, mm-hmm. per- some of which are, are in urban areas and I'm sure some of which are in, in rural areas. But t- tell us a little bit about that. Some of our members um, have arrangements with their local school districts to actually provide services in the schools. And we are very proud of that. When you start really looking outside of those urban areas, um, sometimes parents are not able to take their children actually to a doctor because they're an hourly or just their job will not allow them to. Um, And so, you know, as our board chairman, Alan Nichols, likes to say, we meet the parents where they are. So we meet the parents where they are to ensure that their children have access to quality health care services. Many of these kids without um, those school-based health clinics would not have access to health care. So it's necessary um, for children as they grow and develop to really have that relationship with the provider Mm -hmm. um, that's within their school. So I'm going to split the script just a little bit. Sure. So we're a year into the pandemic. We got to bring up the pandemic at some point. Oh, do we? I know. It's still going on. Right? It's still going it's still on. Going and on, you know, so we, gotta, we still have to wear our masks. Let's just it. say that. <laughs> yes. You know, that just Absolutely. It, it, it amazes that. me when people when I travel across the state and I don't see people wearing a mask or just even at the gas station or when you walk into gas stations, you're almost like I don't want to give my business. Yeah. It's a bit you. of a shock and it's, it's an affront, right? It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, during the pandemic, what has been the FQHC response? You know, it's it's been a year of changes and actually challenges, um, but I'm proud to say community health centers have responded, um, and we've actually responded very well. We've embraced telehealth, so patients um, didn't have to actually physically come into the office um, during a pandemic. We've conducted many appointments to the extent that we go, you know, through the technology aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, we've responded um, to Governor Hutchison's call last spring to increase testing Throughout the state of Arkansas, the number of tests that was actually done within a 30-day time frame was amazing. Um, We've instituted statewide initiatives to test for COVID-19, and we've partnered with so many community organizations for mass testing services. And most recently, we've responded with vaccines. While the state mostly focused on providing the vaccine through hospitals and pharmacies, we've, um, in some instances, have actually partnered with the Department of Health to offer vaccines and um, some of your minority communities. Um, We stepped up when pharmacies actually didn't have many doses. And just recently, the Biden administration has started directing and sending um, COVID-19 vaccines directly to the health centers instead of um, to the pharmacies or the health department. So 
change and challenge. <laughs> it's It's been great. Um, I'm the one I thrive off of challenges. And so just making sure that people actually have access has been very important. Sure, um, and sure. just part of that personal mission for me. So other than other than the fact that that folks don't want to wear their masks, what has surprised you about this whole COVID-19 experience? Oh, my gosh. I'm not really surprised um, when you're saying what has really surprised me. Um, we wanted to get back to normal too soon. Um, right now, you know, today is the last day of school for spring break for a lot of our schools. The anxiety that I have, like, are people going out of town? Yeah. Are they going to be safe? Do parents, you know, everyone just wants to breathe and relax. But I think we're being too relaxed right now. Can't let our guard down. We cannot yet. let our guard down. And so that's just um, people letting their guard down yeah. just gives me great pause right now. So as we hopefully move into the not the post COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I, I, folks are saying post COVID-19. It's not not quite. We're in the late COVID-19 right. period, right. hopefully. So as we move into that period and we start to look ahead, maybe don't, not letting our guard down. Mm-hmm. What's the one big challenge facing FQHCs? One big challenge is actually uh, 340B. Uh, 340B drug program. It's a drug. very complicated. It is very complicated. So if I start talking those technical terms, the general your general She's audience, walk out. <laughs> I will definitely walk out, and they won't understand. But just uh, pharmacy benefit savings that actually helps not only just FQHCs, but our critical access hospitals, as as well as some of our hospitals. So the savings from um, the pharmaceutical companies actually goes back into the organizations, and it's a federal mandate that it goes back into actually patient care. So 340B is a program that provides your organization with discounted yes, drugs. absolutely. And through those discounts, you're able to, um, you know, use funds for, for other services. Absolutely. See, that's why you have the podcast, because you put it in the most simplistic terms. And I was going to go technical. And so my brain was just trying, like, how do you really simplify this? So his audience would be able to understand what 340B is. But yes, that is exactly correct. So it actually goes back into patient care. But I also think about workforce. And how are we building um, that healthcare workforce it's time for bold plans. It's time for bold solutions. You know, we need to start introducing the healthcare sector and healthcare jobs to kids in high school. Mm-hmm. And in that ninth grade, I think we need to start leading kids so they can actually get that hands-on experience and potentially get a certification yeah. after graduation from high school. Most Extend people, the pipeline to younger ages. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially in our rural communities. COVID-19 has actually impacted the workforce yeah. um, because nurses have left mm-hmm. our state to go simply over to another state, whether it's Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, or Missouri, making more money that, than they're actually making here. So that's caused a shortage. Yeah. And so we're having a problem. And I'm sure you've passed down Markham Street and you've seen the sign on the nursing home that says now hiring LPNs, MAs, and RNs. All of them, them, basically. And so that's not just here in Little Rock. That's in rural communities. And so what are we actually going to do to really build that pipeline? 
We need to start taking bold initiatives and bold steps. Yeah, we've historically, I think, focused on the physician shortage, and we've kind of overlooked the fact that we've got a significant nursing shortage as well. Nursing, I think about ancillary services. When I say ancillary services, I think about radiology techs. Yeah. I think about lab techs. I mean, think about yeah. labs. You need a certification to actually work in a lab. Quest, LabCorp, Natural State Labs, all of these labs, they need qualified workers and they pay more than a livable wage. So kids need to understand you can make a very good living yeah. working in healthcare. Yeah. That'll hook them. I hope so. <laughs> so, final question. Sure. Final, final? Final, final. Okay. What are you most proud of in your career? What am I most, um, being that advocate. I wake up every day thinking about how can I continue to elevate community health centers? Mm -hmm. How can I continue to be that voice? How can I improve um, organizations from an operational perspective? And what am I doing to give back to help groom future healthcare leaders? Mm -hmm. I think mentorship is so key. And so sometimes we don't understand the significance of actually having a mentor to help guide us. Um, just advocating. Yeah. And being there for others to let them see, you know what? I've made mistakes. Here are my mistakes. Learn from me. So you won't make those same mistakes as you navigate um, that your job in that healthcare yeah. sector. Well, thanks for being a good advocate and thanks for being a great guest. Well, thank you. I thank you. I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's just, so when can I interview you because of the knowledge that you have? Everybody you know, turn the tables just, on me. Yeah, the stats that you have and just the opportunity. We'll have know. to set something up soon. Okay. When Community Health Center starts a podcast. Well, there you go. Staff has actually talked about that. <laughs> but, you know, I'll be your first guest. You'll be my first guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.